Welcome to the Educational Physics Podcast. I am your host, João Figueiredo. This is Season 3 of the Educational Physics Podcast. I hope to speak about many issues. I hope to speak to guests about many issues. And I hope that we together can discuss the future of education in an honest and open way. Please consider subscribing, sharing, liking and commenting. Your support is much appreciated. Thank you. Welcome to another episode of the Educational Physics Podcast. Um, okay, today we start a new conversation here on the Educational Physics Podcast. But first, I want to bring up something that I find quite important, which is soon I will be having guests on again. Um, I want to talk to people about a variety of topics, and I feel like this first ep- the first five to ten episodes of this new season will be sort of um, setting up the conversations that I want to have here on the podcast. I love talking to other people about the things that I'm curious about and that I'm passionate about. I love to play devil's advocate. That's kind of my MO, if you will. And I have fun with it. And to be honest with you, since this is a podcast about learning, that is very much how I learn. I learn by challenging ideas. I learn by forcing myself to create counter arguments because you can only create a really good counter argument if you understand the argument in the first place. And so that teaches me how to deal with uh, ideas from many different angles and reinforces my understanding of those ideas. On that note, today's episode, like uh, as I promised last time, is on informal education. Now, that does not mean uh, education that happens, um, I guess, that, that gives you no qualifications. That, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is indeed education that happens on your day-to-day life. I'm going to be uh, looking at a couple of different examples. Uh, First one, one that is very uh, dear to me, is parenting. So that's a huge one because, well, a lot of people are parents. Um, There's a lot of humans on the planet and on average, most of those humans have two parents, whether dead or alive. They have them. Biologically, they kind of have to, on average. Um, And so, even if those parents are separated, which we can talk about that as well, um, there's going to be a lot of education in that, that, uh, just in assuming that role of a parent. We can talk about several exceptions Uh, such as, like I said already, separated parents or um, parents who don't participate in the child's development. But for now, let's um, talk about the more mainstream uh, situation, which is two parents have a child and they raise that child together. Okay, 
Now, informal education is, of course, by definition, education that happens with no um, specific learning outcomes. There's obviously no qualifications needed or achieved. And, and so it happens everywhere, all the time. And with and everyone involved is a direct participant. Parenting is an interesting experience. So I am a father, and I can tell you that it's not a joke when they say that you learn a lot as a parent, as much or if not more, uh, as you teach your children. I would say that rule number one, if you want to be a successful parent, is stay open-minded and stay curious about your children. The process of parenting and, and education within the parenting context is a very organic uh, is a very organic process. It happens sometimes very in very subtle ways if you keep your ears and eyes open to what your children say to you you will realize most likely what i've realized which is children first of all are way more self-aware than what we give them credit for children are way more capable of problem solving and, and often quite philosophical problems. Now, the language they use is quite unique. The language they use when they are children is quite special. And that is often what creates a disconnect between adults and children in, in that relationship is that we expect learning to, to be this highbrow, academic, very sophisticated experience. And then when we hear children map out their world using the, the, a language that is appropriate to them, we kind of dismiss it as being childish. But I can think of dozens of conversations that I've had with my child where the things he would say would kind of blow my mind and i would be frequently caught off guard by how insightful and deep those ideas were even if communicated in this very cartoonish and childish way it is our job as parents and educators of children to translate what they mean now my first piece of advice for that to become easier, that translation, is that it is twofold, but it, over, it still overlaps. One, always lead with empathy. Try to recognize that this child is actually trying to solve problems. And the process of mapping out a huge world... Um, is a very difficult process. That's it. It takes a long time for us to understand what the world is about. I mean, <laughs> I'm 35 
and trust me i'm quite aware of how much i've i now refuse to even acknowledge about the world to avoid the overwhelm i've talked about this in past podcasts which is the process of sampling um sampling very briefly would be the concept of or even the process of extracting just enough from reality in order to comprehend what re what my reality is about without having to deal with the whole of reality so i stole that uh, term sampling from um of course sound engineering or or the physics of sound uh, so when you grab an analog sound so a sound from real life and you digitalize it that sound the sound wave is going to go through a process of sampling which is the computer that's doing the digitalization will have to take chunks out of the real sound wave that's being produced in real life because the computer just doesn't have the computational power to extract every single uh, element of that frequency and so it makes assumptions it takes um, thousands of chunks uh, on average if you're listening to mp3s for example or streaming it will be uh, 44 thousand forty four thousand and a hundred samples um per second and which might sound like a lot but we're, we're actually ex extracting forty four thousand samples out of infinite trillions so actually it's a very small number in comparison um and then the machine what it does uh, by using an algorithm it assumes what the gap would sound like so it extracts all these little chunks of information and then the gaps in between are assumed and they are filled in artificially so that's why i call this process of mapping out the world the process of sampling i mean the samples as you look at a tree and how much the amount of information available to you even just optically is infinite but your brain can compute that and so we sample we take just enough otherwise whenever you you were to go outside to go buy your groceries you be, you would become so overwhelmed by how much stimuli is available to you that only by the process of refusing to acknowledge that stimuli we become functional back to parenting it is very easy to dismiss how insightful children are because of the way they, they map out the world. But understand this, initially as a child is developing, they're not doing a lot of sampling. They are doing it, but not a lot. In, in fact, what they're doing is collecting samples, but they're not filling in the gaps just yet. At that point, the algorithm is not working yet we're only doing the collection of data and so they, they are sort of working out reality in many many interesting ways the role of the parent in this context of informal education is to listen 
is to ask questions, is to allow the child to ask questions, is to challenge ideas, and is to provide the environment that it's a combination of discipline and safety, right? This is like the Goldilocks zone for ideal development. When the child has enough of discipline and boundaries and rules, but also of safety and, and comfort in order to explore creativity. So that, that ties to, for example, ideas of uh, brain-based education, right? So how does the brain work the best and learn the best? Well, um, there's a certain level of challenge that is required. The, the, the human brain reacts well to struggle and that produces motivation as long as the stakes don't feel like a threat. So if the creativity and the curiosity are stimulated by, you know, a feeling of a feeling of a need for explore, exploration, then the, the human brain really latches on to that capacity, to that ability. On the, on the contrary, if there's a feeling that if you fail, you're going to be punished and you're going to be embarrassed or humiliated or whatever, then yes, the, the brain just shuts that down because survival instinct will kick in instead of curiosity. In informal education, everything we say and do around those who are learning, which is also you, by the way, matters. Everything matters. The way we word things matter. If someone comes to you, okay, this is a personal story, right? So recently, I brought up, I wouldn't call, call it an issue, but I had a question as to how... Um, this place where my kid, where my kid goes to attend activities, you know, extracurricular activities. I questioned the way they combined levels and classes. I was kind of, as someone who runs a school, I was kind of worried and concerned about the mixed levels. So uh, students from different levels would attend beginners classes and whatnot. And it kind of felt a bit strange because the beginners would feel overwhelmed by the more advanced students and the advanced students kind of didn't really uh, learn much because of the lack of the Goldilocks zone of challenge. It was just too easy for them. So it felt like we were just kind of promoting a, a bit of a ego booster for the more advanced students. That was my take on it. When I brought this up, the reaction was... Well, that's not accurate because the advanced students uh, are still allowed to just go and do the other classes because, you know, they pay for it, basically. And I appreciate uh, uh, it's a business model issue, I guess. But what I found interesting was the usage of the word, well, that's not accurate. Well, it was accurate because the issue I was raising wasn't why they were allowed. The issue, issue I was raising were the consequences of them being allowed. 
I, I know why they are allowed, that's fine. It doesn't invalidate the fact that it has an impact on the beginner students. Why am I bringing this up? The reality is that when you're dealing with a child, they see you as an advanced student, right? So they, they will look for mentorship, but they will also look for approval, which means that if you make the challenges too difficult, and in other words, you, you, you deal with the child as if they could cope with things that you can cope with, they will feel overwhelmed and they will feel as if you're expecting from them far too much and that they can't deliver. That disappointment will be traumatizing. And I'm not using that word lightly. They will feel like a failure. And how many people, maybe even yourself, have you known who carry that stigma of feeling like a failure around their parents? Now think about why that is. It's phrasing. Phrasing such as, well, that's not, what you're saying is not accurate. Fortunately, I have enough self-esteem to know that actually it is accurate. And actually, I kind of know a little bit about this. Um, and that's perhaps my ego, but it's also my experience, right? Um, and in a parent-child relationship, we, we have to be very careful about how we lay out even our expectations. We have to be very careful that the, the child understands what's expected and also understands the consequences or lack thereof of them quote-unquote failing. And I'm saying quote-unquote failing because it's not a failure. It's um, an experiment that produced results and maybe they weren't the desired ones no problem we'll assess and improve on it but when we phrase things as parents right and as educators by the way the way we phrase things has a direct impact on the way they perceive that challenge if we say Oh, but this is easy and you can just do it. Don't, don't worry about it. Well, that sounds very supportive, right? Well, the issue is that if that child then struggles, they will feel especially uh, incapable because you just said that this was easy and anyone can do it. Well, they can't. So what do you think now they're thinking? On the flip side, if you say, I mean, <laughs> this is quite extreme, but if you say like, uh, we'll see if you can do this. We'll see. Well, you might think that you're just being a little bit of a tease, but the reality is that that's quite negative. But, but that one is quite... It's usually the, the, the false positive ones that confuse people. How saying something seemingly positive and supportive can actually be disheartening in the face of struggle. So instead... I suggest honesty. This will be difficult. And if you're struggling with solving this, make sure that you ask questions. I'm here to help you. I'm not here to do it for you, but I am here to support you uh, whenever you, you need uh, 
help uh, with understanding the problem, etc., etc., etc. So make it honest. Say it. It's going to be difficult. And there's only one way to succeed at this, which is by trying. And if you're struggling, then I am here to help you. But if you give up on, on it and on yourself, I'm not going to jump in and do it for you. And you're the only one who's going to miss out on doing this. <clears throat> Informal education is this. It's this constant interaction between, between all of us. And the more aware you are of the power of what you say, including to yourself, the better you'll be at educating those around you. And this is, I'm not saying educating, you know, from the standpoint of lecturing them. I'm saying even just in communication. You'll be in constant conversation with others and you'll have to work out ways to express yourself in ways that are beneficial for the both of you in a family in a relationship in in a parent child uh, relationship could be a, a, a couple could be of course teacher student but what you say and how you say it matters in informal education that's virtually all that matters understand how people learn lead with empathy Remember, you were also once a child. Don't forget this. this is, it's quite outstanding to me how many adults have forgotten that they were actually kids once. And they also thought about things in a very childish, cartoonish way. To, you know, and I'm saying this as a positive. We can't forget that we once learned like this, that we once mapped out the world through play, through imagination, through drawing, through creating characters. Remember, and you will be much more relatable to your kids. Don't put on airs of, I was born an adult, and, you know, I don't see what the point is in role-playing. Really? You weren't a kid that long ago. Life is long, but it's not that long. So, stay in touch with your inner child. Awaken it, if you must. And you will see your skills as an educator increase, improve. And your ability to empathize with, with other people, not just kids. But then when you look at other, uh, uh, other adults and, and you understand why they're struggling because they have childish and i'm not saying that as a negative thing childish hang-ups then you'll have the empathy that's going to allow you to support them in conquering those obstacles that's today's episode on informal education we will speak more about this if not directly informally I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please subscribe, like, comment, share. 
the whole thing. I appreciate you as always. It was a pleasure. And I will see you again next week. Take care. Bye-bye.